Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing this morning? How about you folks online? How are we doing this morning? Amen. Okay, I heard that. I heard that. Well, it's great to have all of you here with us this morning as we uh, uh, continue this series. And uh, you may be wondering why I'm wearing this lei. No, it's not my birthday. Um, Lynette Kinoshita, who's one of the founding member of our Pearlside Church, uh, gave this to me this morning. She said it took her an hour to make it, and it, she grew these flowers in her yard, and so it smells really good. And so I'm going to wear it all day long because I realize also, besides all the work Lynette put in to make this for me, it's going to cover my B.O. all day. So I'll be wearing it. And I'm sure my kids are going to be like, Daddy, you're not stinky. Amen. That's a win right there. So Lynette, I, I don't know if she, she was here for the earlier service you left, but thank you. I'm going to wear it all day in honor of you. So uh, we are here continuing our, our, our series this morning. Uh, we've been talking about discerning these times, and last week, Pastor Norman started, started us off talking about living with a sense of urgency, because we believe that God said he's going to bring revival to this nation once again, and he's calling his church, you and I, if you're a Christ follower, to live with a sense of urgency, to be a part of what God is, is going to do here on the earth. And, and part of the problem that we're, we are always going to face is in times of crisis and after times of challenge like we're in right now, our hearts desire to get back to normal. Isn't that true? We just kind of want to get back to life, get back to living, you know, for, you know, with our, our hobbies and all the things that we got to do in life. And we're urgent for things of pleasure rather than urgent for the things of God. And I, and I say that as someone who's guilty of that very same thing. I want to get back to the things that I did before. But what the Holy Spirit is saying to us is we need to get on with living with a sense of urgency because God wants to bring revival to the church and awakening to society. Can I hear an amen to that? If you missed Pastor Norman's message last week, you got to listen to it. It's a seminal word for us as we go forward in this season. But this morning, we're going to continue that thought because we, we, we got to live with a sense of urgency. But to do that, we can't do that in the power of the flesh. We need power from heaven. After the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus, the, the disciples were in a, a tremendous state of trauma. They had gone through a lot of pain, a lot of suffering, a lot of trials, and I'm sure that for them, they wanted to get back to a sense of normalcy, get back to normal. And when Jesus showed up, he showed up to comfort them, yes, but he also showed up to give them a commission, a mission of what they're, how they are to live and what they are to do in the days going forward. And we pick up the story in Acts chapter 1, this account where Jesus gives them this commission. And I want us to take a look at it here. Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 4. And while staying with them, he, speaking of Jesus, ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. So these words that we just read of Jesus were his literal last words before ascending into heaven. And he could have left them with any promise, any command, any assurance. But what he chose to leave them with is, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you and you will be my witnesses. So what is this promise? The promise in your notes and on screen is his power for the mission ahead. He promised us the power of the Holy Spirit to help us to live the life that he's called for us to live. I think it's interesting, you know, the disciples came to him after this very tough season, 
And they said, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? In other words, Jesus, are you going to rescue us out of all of our problems right now? How many of you know that that's many of our prayers? Isn't that true? God, when are you going to rescue us? When are you going to deliver us? You know, during, the, during the, the COVID crisis, and even right now, there are a lot of Christians talking about, you know, is this the end times? Is Jesus coming back, you know, in these days, right? And it's, it's common for us when we go through a hard season to say, God, when are you going to come and rescue us? Are you coming now? Are you going to rescue us now? Because the world is going so crazy, right? And everyone wants to know that. But I love what Jesus does here. He doesn't even really address their question. He doesn't say, no, not now, you know, <laughs> later. You know, he doesn't say that. What did he do? He says, you know, I want you to focus on the Holy Spirit is coming to you. The Holy Spirit is coming to encourage you and to strengthen you for whatever is coming ahead. For whatever is coming, the Holy Spirit. Focus on the Holy Spirit and the mission of God, which is to be a witness on the earth. While we want to focus on, God, well, how are you going to rescue me? What do you, are, are you coming to rescue us at this time? He says, no, I want to redirect your attention to the power of the Holy Spirit and the call of God for every single one of us to be a witness. See, oftentimes, like I said, when we go through hard times, we just want comfort and relief and rescue. Isn't that true? But what God wants to do is turn our hearts towards the Spirit and the mission that he has for every single one of our lives. And I think that that word still rings true for us today. Maybe we're here and we're going through stuff. All of us are. We're all dealing with a very difficult economy. We're dealing with a very tense, conflict-filled world. Maybe you're dealing with stuff in your, your, your own family, your marriage, your personal situations. And I think the same call of Jesus here is to say, I want you to focus on the Spirit of God, the power of God, and the purpose for which I have you on this earth. Can you receive that here this morning? His promise is his power for the mission ahead. During times of crisis, rather than focusing on rescue and relief, we should focus on the Spirit and His mission. And I love what he says about this. The power of God is for a specific purpose. It's the power to be a witness. You will receive power and you will be my witnesses, he said. So what is a witness? A witness in Scripture is two things. Number one is the power to live like Jesus lives and therefore represent Jesus on the earth, right? And the second thing is to do what Jesus did. Namely, performing miracles, signs, wonders, all those kinds of things. But the first thing is to live like Jesus lived. To be a witness for Christ, we have to live like Jesus lived. And the second thing, then, is to do what he did. That's what the power of the Holy Spirit is for. And that's why he said, before you guys leave Jerusalem and go on your worldwide mission preaching the gospel all over the world, you need the power of God. Don't leave Jerusalem until you receive the power of God. Because you can't live like I lived and do what I did without the power of God. And the same message is for all of us here today and watching online. We can't live like Jesus lived and do what he did without the power of the Holy Spirit. The good news is he never expected us to do this alone. Amen? Like we sang this morning, I've never walked alone, and you never will because the Holy Spirit resides in you. But we need to tap into his power to be a witness in our lives and in the world. And so what is the prerequisite to receiving this power? In your notes and on screen, it's prayer and it's purification. The disciples were commanded to wait in Jerusalem, and that's what they did. And on 10 days later, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven the sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. 
Imagine you're there, right? Jesus said you need to wait for the Holy Spirit's power. And so you wait in this room for 10 days. That's a long time to wait. Can I hear an amen to that? I don't know about you. I wait 10 minutes. I'm losing my mind already. And when he said to wait, he didn't mean just wait and twiddle your thumbs, you know, play Angry Birds or something. If anyone still plays that, I don't even know what games kids play anyway. But, um, you know, it wasn't just wait and hang out until God shows up. Wait in scripture often involved prayer. So when he said, wait until you receive the power of the Holy Spirit, what he was saying is you, you pray until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And 10 days goes by. Like I said, I, I can't, you know, sometimes I get bored praying for 10 minutes. I can't imagine praying for 10 days in an in a upper room where there was no running water back in that day. I guarantee you there was no air conditioning. There was no Wi-Fi. So you couldn't be watching Netflix for 10 days while you waited, right? They just had to wait and pray for 10 days. How many of you have ever waited that long for God to show up or prayed that long? I haven't. Dr. C. Peter Wagner said that this is the most powerful prayer meeting in all of history because they waited and prayed 10 days and the Holy Spirit showed up on the day of Pentecost. And when the, the day of Pentecost came, the Holy Spirit fell upon them, appeared as tongues of fire, landed upon them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues. The prerequisite to receiving the power of God is we need to pray. As Pastor Norman said last week, we need to pray and we need to create upper room moments in our lives throughout our days, throughout our weeks to be filled with the Spirit and to stay in tune with the Spirit, to stay filled with the Spirit so that we can live like Jesus lived and do what Jesus did. We need that. We need the, the power of the Spirit. To be like Christ is not going to take willpower alone. It's not just in our strength deciding I'm going to live like Jesus. No, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. But the second thing about the, the, the fire from heaven is fire in scripture represents the, the presence of God. And the presence of God brings purification, right? And so when the Holy Spirit fell on them in fire, there was, a, there was a sense of purification that came on them, a sense of holiness that they left that room with. And so we need, we need to spend time in prayer. Can I hear an amen? I would venture to say in these days to come, we need to spend more time in prayer than we do today and we do right now or we've done in the past because we need the Spirit's power. We can't do this on our own. We would be foolish to think that I can live for God in this world without the power of the Spirit helping me. And we'll, we'll get practical in just a little bit on that. But we need the power of the Holy Spirit. And so they waited. And the Holy Spirit fell upon them and then something happened. The outcome was the Great Commission. The Great Commission was the outcome. The Holy Spirit fell upon them. They began to speak in tongues, right, in other, in other languages, and starting in verse 5, Acts 2, 5, Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this, the sound, what sound? The sound of all of them speaking in tongues. At this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. It was a miracle. It was a miracle from God. As they were speaking in tongues, the people outside heard them all speaking in their own language. And they were amazed, verse 7 says, and astonished, saying, Are not all those who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? It was a miracle. God transformed their speech into these different languages so that others would hear it. And it was a sign and a witness that God was with the disciples in that upper room, that something had happened. It was a miracle that happened. How many of you know that when we wait on God and when we pray, we allow the Spirit to purify us, God will begin working in people's lives outside. Amen? When we in this room and in, in, in churches all around the country begin to seek the Lord in prayer and believe the Lord for his power, miracles are going to start breaking out outside. That's God's desire. It's God's hope. But we need to choose to be faithful to seek him. He's not going to make us pray. He's not going to make us seek him. He's not going to make us wait on him. But when we do, 
amazing things can happen. And when the Holy Spirit is poured out, verse 36 of Acts chapter 2, the gospel can be preached. It paves the way for the preaching of the gospel. These disciples who were fearfully hiding in the upper room for fear of the Jews, the same people who killed Jesus were looking for them. They were hiding out. Now, after the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon them, they boldly begin to proclaim the gospel to the very people who murdered Jesus, the very people whom they were hiding from. Something happened. Verse 36, Peter gets up and addresses the crowd, the crowd of people who just chanted for Jesus' death not many days before. Let all of the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. That's pretty bold, isn't it? Basically, all, you all murdered him. He was Lord and Savior. Just want you to know. He's Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, the audience heard this, they were cut to the heart. The Holy Spirit brought conviction and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Another translation says, How, what must we do to be saved? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. And watch this, verse 41. So those who received his word were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. This was the first great awakening in church history in this moment. What was it preceded by? Prayer, the power of the Holy Spirit, and the preaching of the gospel. And the, and the first revival in human history, in church history, happened at that moment. Last week, Pastor Norman referenced a book by Dr. Che On called Turning Our Nation Back to God. And uh, one of the things he does, I highly recommend it, by the way. I finished it a couple of weeks ago. It's an easy read. Uh, sometimes when we think about church history books, you know, our eyes roll behind our heads. It's okay. I feel exactly the same way. But this is a very interesting and, and easy read. And one of the things he does is he chronicles church revivals or revivals throughout history and their impact on society. How when revival happened in the church, what happened in the society beyond? It's really, really fascinating. And he talks about uh, how social transformation and revival in society was always preceded by prayer and an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. He actually chronicles three characteristics of historic revivals. It's, it's, it's fervent prayer, uh, repentance in the church, and the preaching of the gospel. Right? We'll actually unpack those three in just a moment. But he talks about how the first great awakening in 1738 in, in, the, in North America is what paved the way for the American Revolution. People's hearts were so turned to God that they desired freedom and liberty to worship him freely in, 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 in the United States. And that's one of the things that paved the way for the American Revolution. And he talks about how the second great awakening of, the, of late 1700s and the early 1800s was what paved the way for the abolition of slavery in Europe and eventually in North America. He tells the story of a young man by the name of William Wilberforce, and you probably know that, that uh, name if you, you're a student of history. He was one of those that got caught up in the Second Great Awakening. The Lord so touched him and, and moved in his life in the late 1700s that he said he made it his life's mission. He felt it was a call from God to work for the abolition of the slave trade in Europe. And so he worked hard to pass bills or push bills through parliament to abolish the slave trade in, in Europe. And for 11 years, every one of his bills got shot down. They said they, they didn't want anything to do with it. It would have affected the economy too much and all those things that you, that you know happened. But he didn't give up because he knew it was a mission from God. He was so transformed by the love of God that he saw the evil that the slave trade was. And he said, I'm going to put an end to this. I'm going to give my life to putting an end to it. And finally, on February 23rd, 1807, he finally had enough support to pass the act for the abolition of the slave trade through British Parliament. What had happened in those 11 years? 
was the Great Awakening, the Second Great Awakening, was sweeping through the nation. People's hearts were being turned to God, and they were becoming awakened to the evil that the slave trade was. The gospel was changing people's hearts such that they were more willing to receive and accept this abolition bill. Many historians, including Dr. Cheon, believe it's because of the Second Great Awakening was moving throughout the nation or moving throughout the continent and paved the way for such legislation. Similarly, as you all know, the Emancipation Proclamation was signed in 1863 or given by President Lincoln at the, because in large part, the Second Great Awakening was changing people's hearts in North America. See, when, when revival happens in the church and awakening happens in society, transformation can happen. Amen? But what precedes those awakenings is, is a revival of prayer within the people of God. See, before God works in a society, he first wants to work in his church. He first wants to work in his people. And this is so, so important. You know, this past Tuesday, we had a prayer meeting here. Um, by the way, how many of you came to our prayer, prayer, prayer meeting on Tuesday night? Thank you guys for coming, by the way. It was a powerful time. And uh, we were praying. One of the things we prayed for was revival in the church and an awakening in society. And as we were here, we were praying, we were crying out to God. I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me. And, and it was pretty clear. It was one of those moments you're like, okay, I know that was God. I felt him say, how badly do you want revival? Like, how bad do you want it? You know, and I'm like, of course, God, I want revival. I want to see our society revive. But I felt him challenging me, like, do you want that because you know that's what you're supposed to want, or do you really want that? And I felt like he's challenging our church. How bad do you want revival and awakening? Because here's the thing. When awakening happens, people are going to start coming into the church. They're going to be broken. They're going to have a lot of problems. They're going to be messed up. They're going to be needy. They're going to need people to disciple them and love them and care for them, invite them into your, your small groups. How badly do you want that? Because that's going to be a lot of work for you. And I feel like God is saying that to all of us. How bad do you want it? Because when your coworkers' hearts begin to get open to God, you're going to have to disciple them. Amen? You're going to have to take them through the one-to-one -one book. You're going to have to teach them how to pray. You're going to have to work with them in their marriages and different things. It's going to be on us. And if revival doesn't first happen in our hearts, when people come in, we're going to be like, hey, you're in my seat, right? Oh, what do you mean I got to park at Savio? Who are these guys in the parking lot, right? We're, 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 we're gonna, we can subtly start pushing the people away that we were praying for just a little while ago because our hearts aren't yet ready. That's too hard to park down the street, you know, to make room for, for, for new people. So our, our, if our hearts aren't ready, when people start coming in, are they going to feel loved by the church or a little bit put off by the church? Are they going to feel accepted and nurtured in our small groups or are they going to feel like unwelcome and unwanted? See, before God brings revival to society, he first has to revive his church so that we welcome lost, hurting, broken people with open arms, amen? So that we welcome in the drug addicts and the, the ex-cons and the whatever, whatever it is with open arms that they would receive the love of Christ through us. But if we're not ready for it, we might be... We might do the exact opposite than what God wants to do. He always works in the church first. He always brings revival to the church first. And that's why we need to pray. Because prayer changes our hearts. Amen. So while I was here in, in prayer, I felt the Holy Spirit saying, how bad do you want it? I realized, man, sometimes I don't. Because I don't need any more work in my life. Amen. I got enough people I'm discipling right now. My small group is full. I don't know if I can handle anymore. And that's the Lord challenging my heart. And I suggest all of ours as well. Amen. If we're a Christian and we're crying out, God, bring revival, we first have to say, Lord, revive me so that I'm the type of person that receives hurting, broken, lost people with open arms. And that's the kind of church Pearlside Church must be. Can I hear an amen to that? We have to be a church that opens our arms to people that don't know Jesus, that may not agree with you politically. Amen. We have to welcome them because we have to point them to Jesus Christ first and foremost. 
But yes, their revival first has to happen in our hearts. So how badly do you want it? How badly do you want to see our society turn back to Jesus? We have to pray for it, and we have to ask the Lord to help us. So what is our response? What is our response to all this? Second Chronicles 7.14 Again, he says, if my people, God says, who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. Notice it starts with if my people, not if the world outside the church. It's if my people, the church, will humble themselves and pray. What's the condition for breakthrough and revival? It's if my people. It's always if my people. Cheon says that throughout all human history and church history, revivals were always preceded by if the people of God would respond if the people of God would respond. We can't blame the world for being lost and broken. We have to look at ourselves and say, are we responding to the call of God? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and what? And pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then, again, conditional, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and will heal their land. What precedes the healing of the land? What precedes awakening in society if the church will humble themselves and pray, seek his face and turn from their wicked ways then. So three things as we close here this morning. Hallmarks for historic revival, Dr. Cheon says, is prayer, repentance, and the proclamation of the gospel. So what do we do? We need to pray for his power, number one. Pray for his power. If my people, he said, who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. We need to pray. We need to pray more than we've ever prayed before. And like I said, 10 minutes of prayer is not enough. We get bored after 10 minutes. We got to pray and pray fervently. I love the fact that the disciples had to wait in the upper room for 10 days. That was a prayer meeting. Amen. They were praying for their lives quite literally because they thought the Jews were coming to kill them. But I'm sure they were also saying, God, we need this power. Jesus said it. We need it. And they were praying and they were praying and they were praying. If my people will humble themselves and pray. And we have to create, therefore, upper room moments in all of our lives where we're praying, where we're praying. Where we're praying in tongues, if you speak in tongues, and if you don't know what that is, come to our Freedom Weekend classes where we unpack that. It's a prayer language that God gives to his church to pray with power. We don't know what we're praying, but the Holy Spirit prays through us. We need to create lifestyles of prayer where we're praying throughout our days. You know, a lot of times when I'm driving, I'm not listening to music in my car. Sometimes I forget when people ride with me. I like just driving in silence. It gets awkward. They're like, why is it so quiet in here? Because usually what I'm doing in the car is I'm praying. I use the car ride time to pray. Part of the reason is so that I'm in the spirit and not cussing at people on the freeway. <laughs> Amen. I need help, right? Um, but we need to create upper room moments where we pray. Before we leave the house, before we get out of the car, before we do what we need to do, we're inviting the spirit to help us. Because again, it's a witness is to live like Jesus lived and to do what Jesus did. I don't know about you. I need a ton of help to live like Jesus lived. Anybody else want to be honest in church? You need help to live like Jesus lived. I mean, that dude was forgiving and loving and kind and merciful. He was forgiving the people that were murdering him. I mean, I need help with that. You eye me out, I'm pissed. You know what I'm saying? Like, I lose it. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say piss, but I did anyway. I said it again. I was at the, the my son was at a, in a basketball tournament, and we were in Las Vegas, uh, Las Vegas Convention Center. If you've ever been to sports tournaments, in Hawaii, everyone's still kind of nice, you know, because we're all somebody's uncle's cousin's brother, you know what I mean? You go to the mainland, no one knows you, no one cares about you. So we're at the Las, the Las Vegas Convention Center, and I've never been eyed out like this so many times since middle school. Like, seriously, we're walking through the convention center, everyone's just mean mugging everybody. Yeah, you, you, you've been to sports tournaments on the mainland, but everyone just eyes each other out like, brah, you standing in my way from getting my son to the NBA, brah, I'm going to leak you. That's what it sounded, that's what it felt like. 
I mean, everyone was just eyeing everybody else. I walked in just, just a few minutes. I was like, oh my God, I'm being so triggered right now. Like, so I said, okay, I, 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 gotta, I gotta go pray. So I did. I, I, I got my, kid, my son and my wife all situated with the team. I was like, I gotta go pray because I, I can't handle being eyed out like this. I'm gonna lose it. So I, I went to the bathroom. I literally, this true story, I closed the door. I was like, Holy Spirit, I need your help. I'm gonna lose it at this tournament. It was, I've only been there for like 15 minutes. I gotta be there for like four more days. God, help me not to snap at all these people eyeing each other out. Because already in games, I kind of get heated, you know towards referees and the other team. So I was like, God, I really need your help. Because the team, my, my team, they know I'm a pastor. I can't be like losing it. You know what I'm saying? So God, help me. I literally said, God, help me, help me, help me. Holy Spirit, I need your help. Holy Spirit, I need your help. And, and so I did. And so when I left the bathroom, washed my hands first, right? And I walked out and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm being a good place. People eyeing me out. I'm like, how you doing? How you doing? How you doing? Right? I, 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 I tell you, it helped. Because I did not yell. I did not get angry. This one couple was getting kind of nuts with another family in our church. I just prayed. I was like, Lord Jesus, help me, help me, help me love them. And it didn't escalate. Because how many of you know that if you're not in the spirit, somebody eyes you out, you're going to say, what? Right? Especially if you grew up in, on the west side. It's going to come out at some point. And I was, you know, and, and you know, they're big. These dudes are big. I'm like, I'm going to get pounded. That's the word, last thing I need, right? So I needed to be in the spirit. And I knew it. Left to myself, at some point, I'm going to snap. And what's going to come out? Or I'm going to eye out somebody back. The ref's going to make a bad call, and I'm going to say something dumb. I need your help, God. And I think that's just an example for all of us. We need the Holy Spirit's help all the time. All the time. Because we can't be representing Jesus out there if we're losing our stuff, and we're saying what to everybody, and we're getting in fights, and we're giving people the one-finger salute. It just does not represent Jesus, does it? We need help. I need help. And I think every single one of us do. Thank God Jesus said the Holy Spirit's power is available to every single one of us to do what he did, to live like he lived. How often do you avail yourself to the power of the Holy Spirit? We get away and we say, God, I need your help. I know I'm going into a situation right now. Maybe it's a business meeting at work. Or maybe it's a situation where you're especially tempted in the flesh or whatever it is. God, I need your help. Because we can preach the gospel all we want. But if people don't see the power of the gospel at work in us, how many of you know they're not going to listen to our message? We can tell people, you need Jesus. And if our lives are a mess, they're going to say, brah, you need Jesus. Right? You go church and your life is a wreck. Why should I go church to be just as messed up as you? That's what people think. Barna did a study, I shared this before, that 85% of, of professed non-believers cite the number one reason for their unbelief hypocrisy in the church. It's not the theory of evolution. It's not some textual thing that's wrong with the Bible. It's the hypocrisy of Christians. Because we walk around and we're getting into fights just like everyone else. We're falling into sin just like everyone else. We're angry. We're short. We're flipping people off just like everyone else. And then people go, oh, wow, I should really go to church with you, huh? Your life is so different than mine. Of course, sarcastically, because they're not saying that. They're going, no, there's no power there. There's no power. If you're losing it just like everybody else, you're falling in sin just like everybody else, dude, I can do that and, and not go to church and waste my Sunday morning. They don't see any power. But if they see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, mercy, forgiveness coming out of us, reconciliation coming out of us, unity coming out of us, oh my goodness, that's a bright, bright light in this dark world. Because that stuff does not exist in our society apart from Christ. It does not. 
What exists in our society apart from crisis is, 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 is violence, it's disunity, it's retribution, it's all kinds of negative stuff. We gotta deal with our junk, amen? Not so that God will love us more. He loves us unconditionally through Christ if you're, in, if you're a Christian. It's so that other people can see the gospel through us. So when we open our mouths, there's credibility because there's a, we're a witness. We can't do that on our own. It's not just willpower. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the power to do what Jesus did, to live like he lived, and to do what Jesus did. If you, if you want to read another good book, there's a good book by uh, Dr. Eugene Peterson called The Jesus Way. And it talks about how Jesus himself had to rely on the Holy Spirit's power. That's why he retreated. Right after being with the large crowds, he went away by himself to, to pray to the Father so that he could be in tune and in touch with the Spirit so he could continue in his ministry. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to live like he lived, but also, number two, to do what Jesus did, namely perform signs and wonders and miracles. Because how many of you know we can preach all we want, but when the power of God shows up in a person's life, it's done. It's over. So I was, I was a... Uh, assistant soccer coach for a little while at Pearl City High School. One of my friends asked me if I would go and help coach, and so I did. I, I'm an alumni. I played there. And, uh, you know, at first I was like, I, I don't have time. My wife was like, you don't have time. I was like, okay, I know. But I felt the Holy Spirit telling me to do that. And the reason why is to be a witness. I know it wasn't to help them win because I'm not a very good coach, uh, but it was to be a witness. And so every time before I'd go up to the game or as I'm driving up to practices or whatever, I would pray in my car, Holy Spirit, Give me an opportunity to encourage someone, to pray for someone, to just, just, just whatever you want to do, Holy Spirit, have your way. And can I tell you, nine out of ten times, nothing happened. I would just go through the practice, nothing would happen, and I'm, you know, constantly, you know, praying on the side and different things. Nothing happened, it was just an average everyday practice or game. And then one day, we were at a game, I forget who we were playing, but it was leading into the playoffs, and um, one of our star players gets injured on the field. He goes down, and it looked bad. Like, we thought, oh, he's done, we're going to lose him for the playoffs if we even make it now. And... Um, me and the other coach, we go and help him off to the side. And the whole time, the Holy Spirit's telling me to pray for him, pray for this kid. And I'm thinking, oh, man. Number one, he doesn't know me that good, and all the parents are watching, so, you know, what do I do? So I kind of like, chickened out, let me be honest. And I went off to the side, and the whole time, the Holy Spirit was telling me, pray for him, just pray for him. So I said, fine, okay. So I walked over back behind the side. I just put my hand on his shoulder. He was sitting on the bench. And I said, hey, can I, can I just pray for you real quick? And so he already knew I was a pastor because when I showed up for the first day, the coach goes, oh, this guy's on pastor, you know. You guys better stop swearing. This guy's on pastor. I was like, dang it, why'd you have to do that? You know, like, I wanted to be, I wanted to be the cool coach, encouraged everyone. Now I'm the pastor. And everyone's like, oh, God, don't talk to that guy. But anyway, I went over there and I said, hey, can I pray for you real quick? So he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and he was in pain. He had ice. The trainers was in, trainer just finished with him. And so I just said a quick, simple prayer. Holy Spirit, touch him. I forget what I said. Holy Spirit, touch him. I pray you would, you know, just move in his life, whatever. I forget what I said. And then I just kind of walked away. I pat him on the shoulder. All right, man. I'm good. All right. I walked away. A couple minutes later, he stands up and he walks over to us. He said, coach, can I go back in? I was like, don't ask me. You got to ask the other guy. And so he's like, uh, you good? He's like, yeah, I'm good. You sure you're good? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. He goes back in, plays super good. We end up winning the game. And I'm like, God, what did you do? I was, all, I was all excited, you know? I was like, yeah. And he comes up to me after the game. He's like, coach, you know, when you prayed for me, I felt this heat going down the back of my leg. I just felt this heat and like, I'm good, coach. I'm good. I was like, you good? Right on, man. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to come check out your church. I was like, you better check out my church after that. You know, I, I didn't say that. I thought it in my head. But you know what? A few weeks later, guess who comes walking in? I'm preaching 6 o'clock Sunday night. He walks in with three of the other guys on the team. They're like, I'm, 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 I'm like talking like this. He walks in. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> sat down in this area. And when I gave the, the response to receive the Lord, he stood up. He raised his hand. And he, he was a part of our church for a while before he went away to college. 
the power of the Holy Spirit did what my words could never do. Right? I could preach to him all day long. He said, I don't know you. I don't care. I don't, you know. But when he felt the heat, now I don't know if God actually healed him or if it was icy hot. You know what I'm saying? I don't know what that was. <laughs> Maybe he didn't really get hurt. I don't know. Maybe he just, you know, it was a stinger. I don't know. But he felt like God did something. That's all that matters. Amen. Listen, it's not my job to heal anybody. I can't heal nobody. All right. It's his, it's his job. It's our job to pray. Our job is to show up, be faithful, and pray. Whatever God does with that is up to him. Yeah? But sometimes we, 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 we're, we don't do those things because we're afraid of what might happen. What if I pray and nothing happens? It's not up to you. What if I pray? What if you pray and something does happen? And so we just need to be faithful to pray. So we need the power of the Holy Spirit, not just so that we can live like Jesus, but so that we can do what Jesus does. And every day when I would go up, I would pray, God, give me an opportunity. What do you want to do? Who do you want me to encourage? Who do you want me to pray for? What if we all did that before we went to work tomorrow morning and every day this week? God, who do you want me to touch? Who do you want me to pray for? And you hear of a need. Maybe someone's going through a divorce. Maybe someone just looks depressed and downcast. And we just offer to take them to lunch, pray for them, or something like that. What could God do in those moments? We just need to be faithful to pray. God is in charge of the results. Can I hear an amen to that? God is in charge of the results. What would happen if the church of Jesus Christ all around the world started doing that? Started just praying for people. I think, I think God will start to break out in signs and wonders and miracles and people that you never thought would get saved will get saved. We just have to dare to believe him. That's what the early church did in the book of Acts. Filled with the Holy Spirit. They just wanted, they prayed for anyone and anything and all kinds of amazing stuff happened and the church was born. A couple weeks ago, I was uh, in, in a meeting with my, uh, my attorney, and, uh, and uh, he had just recovered from COVID. And so he had, he had his mask, and he was tr- clearly labored breathing. And as we were sitting through that meeting, I couldn't listen to anything else. I was like, I just need to pray for this guy. I felt the Holy Spirit say, you need to pray for him. So as the meeting was over, there's a whole bunch of us in the room. He stood up, and as we were walking out, I, I kind of was chicken, you know, because it's kind of, anyway. But I finally said, hey, do you mind if I pray for you? I want to pray for your lungs. He said, sure, you can pray for anything you want. I was bold because in the meeting, he's, you know, he said, you know, it's nice to finally meet a real Christian referring to me. I was like, oh, man, what kind of Christians you met before, you know? So I felt bold. I said, I'm going to pray for this guy. I said, can I pray for you? You know, I want to pray for your lungs. And he said, yeah, you can pray for anything you want. And he kept on walking. I was like, oh, no, can, can, I, can I pray for you right now? And he stopped and he looked at me. I said, I said, would you mind if I prayed for you right now? He looked at me and said, I would mind actually. <laughs> I was like, well, that's the first time I ever got rejected asking someone to pray for them. I realized that, you know what, we got to be wise, you know, don't pray for someone in, you know, a business meeting or whatever it is, you know, take them out to lunch later. And, you know, sometimes you're going to get rejected. It's okay. Just be faithful to pray. So I told my wife and a couple other people, just keep praying for him. I think God's going to do something. So we've been praying, we've been praying. And uh, I'd like to, I wish I could tell you, and he's here right now, stand up, right? But you know what, sometimes, no, he's not, he's not actually. <laughs> I actually don't know what happened. I, I, I don't know if he's healed or not. I should follow up. But you know, sometimes we only hear the, 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 the yay God stories where there's a miracle. We just gotta be faithful. If they say no, they say no. But at least they know now that you care enough to offer to pray, right? If they shoot you down, they reject you, they get mad, that's okay. That's between them and God. We just gotta be faithful to following the Holy Spirit's leading. And sometimes we only hear the yay God stories. We just need to hear the faith. I think you just need to, we just need to hear the faithful stories. Let's just be faithful because if we're faithful, eventually we're going to have the yay God. There they are sitting in the front row stories. But if we don't ever take those steps of faith because we're afraid of getting rejected, then we'll never have the power of God show up in those moments. 
What would happen if we prayed? I think God would do some amazing, amazing things. Amen. So we need to pray for his power to live like Jesus lived, to do what Jesus did. And we also need to purify our hearts from sin. You see, when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, the fire of God comes, he wants to burn away the chaff. He wants to burn away all the junk that doesn't belong there, right? And that's why 2 Chronicles 7.14 says, it's not just prayer, it's we need to seek his face and turn from our wicked ways. If there are areas of sin and impurity in our lives, God wants to deal with that first. Before he brings a revival, before he begins to move on people, he wants to deal in the heart of the church. And as we get ready to close in just a moment, we're going to pause and, and come before the Lord and ask him to reveal the areas of sin and weakness in our lives and, and to turn from it. Because we can pray all we want, God bring revival, but God is saying, I first need revival in you. God, bring revival to the society. The world is going down the tubes. And I think God is saying, but, but first got to deal with my church. Will you let me? Will you let me in? Will you seek me and let me into those dark places in your soul and in your life? We need to repent from sin and allow the Holy Spirit to pour out his purifying power on us. And then lastly, thirdly, proclaim the gospel. How do we respond? We need to proclaim the gospel. After that kid that I prayed for, God touched him and he came to church. Man, I, was, I met with him and started proclaiming the gospel to him because he needed to hear. It wasn't just getting touched. He needed the word of God to transform his heart. And when the Holy Spirit comes on us, and we begin to believe him for his power. We turn from our sin and begin to proclaim the gospel. Those are the hallmarks of historic revivals that brought awakening to societies. Amen. But it starts with us. If my people, if my people, if my people, then I will, God says. It starts with us. What will we do? How will we respond to the Lord? How badly do we want it? If we want it bad enough, we'll seek him in prayer. We'll let him work on us and we'll proclaim the gospel to the world. We bow your heads as we close. Father, we thank you. Worship team, you can come on up. God, we thank you that your mercies are new every morning. And in all of our lives, we have broken places, areas of sin where we have allowed your word to, we've not allowed your word to reign in our lives. Holy Spirit, first of all, we come before you in humility and repentance. God, we're sorry for how we've lived apart from you. God, we're sorry for how we've allowed our flesh to guide us and to lead us. How we've allowed sin to persist in our lives and maybe we've made excuses saying everyone does it, everyone's like this, everyone lies on their, and cheats on their taxes, everyone cuts corners, everyone curses and swears and, and lashes out in anger. Everyone does it, God. We're sorry for the excuses that we've made because you haven't called us to be like everyone else. You've called us to be a light in a dark world, meaning you've called us to be categorically different. So Lord, we come before you and we repent for the ways that we've allowed ourselves to allow sin to continue, tarnishing our witness to the world, just right where you are in the stillness of your own heart. Just ask the Lord to forgive you for the areas that you've allowed sin to reign. This morning we choose to turn from our unforgiveness, from our anger, from our lust, from our pride, our selfishness, God. 
We're sorry for all the ways that we've made excuses for ourselves. And we say, Holy Spirit, help us. Help us to be a witness in our lives. That when people look at us in our conduct, our speech, everything about us, they would see a picture of Jesus Christ. They would see you. Help me and all of us in this room today and watching online to be your witnesses. We need your help. We need your power. We need your strength to be a witness.